Galatians 2, 17 through 21. Someone give me an amen when they found it. But if, in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, a little bit about me. You have met my pastoral significant other, Johnny Heath, uh, who sends his love. I'm just kidding. If you know Johnny, he didn't send his love, but he does love you. <laughs> he just would never say in a million years, send my love. Uh, uh, I have a beautiful wife named Melissa, been married 16 years, and uh, have four children. When my son, son Nolan's here with me today, uh, two of my kids are autistic, so it makes traveling a little bit tough. I wish I could come down here much more than I do, but I'm thankful to be here. Uh, another guy that you guys met, I believe in August, Jason Johansson. Uh, Jason and I planted Grace and Peace about 14 years ago in Knoxville and he lives in Portland now and Johnny and I are, are pastoring together. Uh, but what I want to talk today about is faith. Um, that's what this passage is about. Cody joked, everyone jokes, uh, Johnny's about 35 minute preacher now, listening to Cody, I think he's about a 40 minute preacher. Uh, 12's a great minute mark for me. I like 12 minute sermons, so I might go a little bit longer today. But we're going to talk about faith. I think what Paul is trying to tell the Galatians is that they, their faith, they think that their faith is not enough. Everyone has faith, everyone loves faith, but the Galatians' problem, Paul says, is you think that that is not enough. And the truth is, at least in Knoxville and maybe here, I don't think that we actually think faith is enough either a lot of times. Uh, but let's dig into the text and figure out what, why that be the case for the Galatians. So the, the letter opens just to review real quick. Paul, an apostle sent by God, grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters in Galatia. Point three, you freaking idiots. That's more or less how the letter opens. What are you doing? What are you doing? What's going on down there? He says, you've started believing a different gospel. You've started believing a perverted gospel. And it is no gospel at all. It is no good news at all that you're starting to believe. And then he gives kind of a quick bio of, of himself. And you guys all know this. Paul, formerly known as Saul, chasing down Christians, trying to kill Christians. And then he's riding along, and Jesus absolutely breaks into his world. Jesus crushes his world. And he's blinded and he goes. And then quickly, he's taught by the disciples the gospel. And he starts preaching the gospel. He preaches Jesus. 
everywhere he goes, he can't help it. He just starts preaching Jesus. And he says the problem is that false believers, he says this in Galatians 1, false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. So they're, they're coming around saying, you're not preaching the true gospel. So he goes to Jerusalem. He goes to Jerusalem to present the gospel that he's been preaching. And he says, I wanted to be sure I was not running in vain. I was trying to be sure I wasn't just telling people lies. I wanted to make sure that I was telling people the truth. And they accept what he's preaching. They say it is the truth. And then he tells us this crazy story about how Peter, you know, God is not a respecter of persons, but we are. And Peter's the rock, right? Peter's the guy. Peter's the boss. And Paul says, this is how much I'm telling you the gospel I'm preaching is true. Is I saw Peter sitting with people, uh, or not sitting with people that a couple weeks before that he would have been sitting with. He, he refuses to sit with Gentiles because these people from James came. And I looked at him and I said, you are not believing the gospel. You're not living into the truth of the gospel. He gets in Peter's face, which would be terrifying. It'd be terrifying. This, this rock, this pillar. But that's how much Paul believes the message. And notice how he rebukes Peter. He doesn't do the thing that we would do. He doesn't say, Peter, what are you doing? You're not, you're not uh, caring about social justice. Peter, what are you doing? You're not caring about uh, the Gentiles. He doesn't start with the thing. He says something very specific. He says, you are not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. He points it away from the actual specific thing and he gets to the idea to say, you're actually not believing the gospel, Peter. And that's the main issue he has with the Galatians. They have stopped acting in line with the truth of the gospel. How so? They had started believing. People come in teaching them. Paul had uh, taught them the truth. Paul goes on to other churches, starting other ministries, other churches. And the Judaizers would come in and they would say, that's great. You are in Christ. Yes, that's wonderful. But you still need to be circumcised. Right? And, and Cody got into that, I know, a couple weeks ago with you guys. What are they doing? They had started believing that you needed a specific tool or a, a specific symbol to confirm that you were in Christ. Right? And we, we all, various degrees, uh, do this. <laughs> This is the problem at hand, right? It's easy to say, circumcision is one of those easy ones nowadays, right? You just say, well, that's not our deal, right? That's not exactly our thing. But we all, we all have these things. We all have symbol. Even people, you know, you go to a big old Catholic church or something like that, and it's just full of symbol. And, and us good Protestants, we say, like, we don't need any of that, right? But, uh, and I love the worship this morning, but here's the point of it. I bet you guys sing songs like that every week, right? Why? Because it's a symbol. That's what we're built for. It. We are those animals. We need these symbols. Right? We do the same thing in Knoxville. But they had, they had this idea that they needed a specific tool. Uh, but it, it really wasn't circumcision, the thing that ate at Paul. It was the heart behind the decision that circumcision was necessary. That's the thing that's killing Paul and making him so mad at the Galatians. Here's, here's why. Romans chapters 1 and 2 tells us that 
human beings, deep down inside, know that we are made to serve God. We're born with it. We know it. There's something deep inside of us that knows it. Which means that every part of us somehow needs to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. We all know it. We all have this desire to hear God say, good job. It's, it's, it's in our DNA from the beginning. The approval of God, the recognition of God. Well done, good and faithful servant. That is what you need. That is what your souls need. But because we've walked away from God, because humanity fell away, uh, because we don't have that, we are desperately trying to get that recognition at the expense of everything else. At everything else, we're trying to get some sort of approval. Every Pharisee ever created is trying to get that approval. And here's how actually big it is. Every idol ever carved is trying to get the approval from divinity. You know, you have the rain god and you build the pole or whatever and the pole it makes it rain. What's he doing? The rain god saying, good job. That every, everything in us is doing it. And the Pharisees are trying to do that too. Right? They might know better words to use than just idolatry and things like that, but that's what they're trying to do. And here's the problem. Here's our problem with it. There's actually, because we are symbolic creatures, we actually do have some symbols that matter. What's, what's the one thing in the Bible when we say, Paul, you know, Jesus told us to do it. When you become a Christian, what's, what's a symbol that uh, pretty much everybody would recognize you need to do? Someone said it. I think you all said it. Baptism, right? Well, that's a symbol, right? And yet, we can take baptism, the symbol that's good. You should do it. If anyone's not here baptized, I bet Cody will baptize you today. It might be the coldest baptism of your life, but that's okay. Uh, the point of it is that we know we're supposed to do it, but even in something like that, how many of you been to churches before where, well, yeah, but you need to be baptized, but were you baptized the right way? Right? You need to be baptized the right way. There's a specific way to be baptized. So what are we doing in those moments? We're just turning into little Pharisees. Right? We're just trying to take something that's even true and turning it back to say, well, if you do it this way, God will be proud of you. Right? Rather than get to the heart of the thing. But here's the difference. Here's, here's one thing. I, wanna, I don't want to shut down baptism because baptism is so important for the life of believers. But, but what's the difference between the symbol of baptism and the symbol of circumcision? The symbol of circumcision says we are part of the covenant community. Right? We're set apart. What's the symbol of baptism? Paul says, Romans 6.3, do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And that's, hold on to that, because that's the thing. We say, we need to be baptized so we can be proud. Paul says, hold on. What is baptism? That symbol says, when you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So baptism is this symbol that says, there's nothing I can do for myself 
to make God proud of me. There's only one person in history that will exist forever, and that is the name of Jesus. And so when you go into baptism, you're saying, I'm dead. Any attempt to bring glory to myself, any attempt to get God to be proud of me, to have that feeling of a father loving me, is gone now. Because when I go into it, I'm dying to myself, just like Jesus died for me. And when I come up out of the water, it's no longer I who am alive, but it's Jesus Christ alive in me. That Jesus Christ is the only one alive at this point. This one person who brings glory to the Father in everything he does. So, and we sit here and say, yeah, but if you do it in a certain way, God will be proud of you. No. God is proud of Christ. Philippians, what does Philippians say? He has the name that's above every name. And what do we do? What do we do in our life? What are the Galatians trying to do? Ultimately, what Paul's saying is, when you're going down the route of works, trying to do these works, you are trying to make a name for yourself. You're just turning into a bunch of little towers of babbles, trying to make a name for yourself. There's only one human that will be remembered through eternity, and that's Jesus Christ. And if you're in Christ, the good news is, your life is hidden in Christ. Guess what the bad news is? Your life is hidden in Christ. What does Matthew 23? Matthew 23. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's, I'm sorry, that's Galatians. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And Jesus gives us this imagery of what he's trying to do in Matthew 23. Do you remember when he goes to Jerusalem? And he looks at it and he starts crying. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the people who kill the prophets. And what's he say? How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? And what's, what's that imagery doing? What do you do in a barn fire? What is the chicken going to do? It's going to grab its, it's uh, little chicks. It's going to put it under the wings. And the barn fire destroys everything. And at the end of it, you see a burnt dead chicken. And underneath it is these little chicks who are alive still. That's the imagery Jesus is trying to say about Jerusalem. How often I wanted to just gather you into myself for your life to be hidden in me under the shadow of the Most High. But you refuse to do it. There's a confession, uh, old Reformed confession. It begins, I'm not my own, but I belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. What's it trying to say straight away? I'm not my own anymore. I'm dead to myself. And we, we know the language. We know how to say that, those things. But do you mean it? Do you, do you go into your life on a day-to-day -day basis trying to make a name for yourself? Is your world, is your family, is your job a little attempt at a Tower of Babel? Or do you go into your world every day and say, my life is no longer my own. Jesus Christ is alive in my work. He's, Jesus Christ is alive in my family, and he's the one ruling and breaking in. And praise be to him, just let me follow there. Be alive in me doing these things. We'll keep going with the idea. Colossians 3, 3 and 4. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It's this idea of saying, you know, we grow up, I grew up in the Bible Belt, maybe the top part of the Bible Belt in Knoxville. You guys are the actual Bible Belt. Uh, 
you know, you're a good Christian guy. You're going to do mighty things for God. And this is what I realized as old as I get, <laughs> as, old as, I, as old as I am now. I feel about 75, just turned 40, uh, but been in ministry for a number of years now. And here's the truth of it. Having uh, autistic kids, very difficult. We adopted these kids, didn't know they were autistic when we adopted them. Uh, and it really, really, if you're caring for them well, it really means that your options are limited. I'm not flying to the latest conference. I'm not going to all these things. That can be a real downer if I was alive to myself. That's the thing I have to remember, and I don't remember it a lot, so don't hear me saying that. I wouldn't even tell these people in Knoxville, but I don't get to see a lot, so I'll use this as an example. If I try to make a name for myself, if I look at it and say, I'm trying to make God proud of, my, proud of me by all this ministry stuff I'm doing, I'm just turning into Galatians. If I suffer with my kids in the name of Jesus, well, it's Jesus doing it at that point. It's Jesus doing it at that point. And, and what happens if it sucks? Good. Good. Because my life is hidden in Christ. It's no longer I who live at all. Oh, it feels like death. Good. I'm supposed to be dead, right? And that's, that one's a hard word. We all want to feel alive all the time, but sometimes you just need to feel dead to remember that Jesus is the one that's alive and you're alive in Jesus. Stop trying to feel alive all the time and recognize that Jesus is the one who's alive. I'll let Cody deal with the aftermath of that one. That's a long time thing. You see this. Paul has this actually attitude as he goes through things. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5. There, he's talking about the Corinthians, how they might judge him compared to Apollos or compared to some of these other apostles. And you know what Paul's answer to that is? I don't care if you judge me. I don't care if you judge me. I don't even judge myself. And that's the key. That's what he's saying. I don't even judge myself anymore. This idea of like, oh, mental discipline, I'm going to ascend to this thing because I don't even do that anymore. I wait until the Lord appears and he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. And that time each will receive their praise from God. So what's Paul saying when he's, people are like, well, you're not as good a preacher as Apollos. He says, it could be. I don't care. Also, God reveals things in time. Stop trying to reveal everything in your own life and bring out your talents and bring out your gifts and just be faithful to Christ because he's the one ruling and reigning. So how do you make sure? How do you make sure that you're not turning into a little Pharisee? You know? How do you make sure you aren't returning to the works of the law to feel, feel like God needs to be proud of you? That God, if, if you do this thing or if you, if you say a certain thing, God will be proud of you. Jesus, the, the Sermon on the Mount actually gives us a lot of this stuff. Right? So how do, what do you do? Jesus says, well, you be careful. You be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, right? To be seen by them. Because if you do, Jesus says, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So then he gives us some specific examples. He says, when you give to the needy, don't have a trumpet, right? Don't announce it with trumpets. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What was their reward? Everyone saw you give. Good job, right? But when you give to the needy, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. 
Why? Why, why again? Why is Jesus saying that? Because everything in us wants the approval of God. Wants people to say, whoa, you're close with God. And Jesus is saying, the Father sees it. The Father sees it. And when you, when you try to get other people to tell, get, get other people to tell you that God is proud of you, what you're actually doing is not living by faith. Right? You, what is faith? It's the thing unseen. Hope for. And so what's Jesus doing? When you give, don't let anybody see it. And then what are you doing when you do that? Well, now you're believing it. You're actually believing that God is in heaven and that he will, will remember that. That takes a, That's a hard thing. Jesus moves it to prayer. He says, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. They've received their reward. Do you remember the story Jesus says of the, of the Pharisee and the tax collector? The Pharisee, they both go up to pray. They're both prayer people. Both two prayer warriors of different types. One goes to the top and says, God, I think, I'm thank I'm thankful that I'm not like this guy. I'm thankful that I'm not, and to be honest, that's half of my prayers. <laughs> that's half of my prayer. Thankful I'm not like these people, right? And what does the tax collector do? The worst of the worst. He won't even look up to heaven. He just looks down and just beats his breast and says, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Two, one person very loudly talking about all the things that would make God proud of them. One person who won't even look up to God and says, please have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, and guess what? Only one of them went down justified. Now that word justified is the same word Paul's using here. Justified. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So how do you do it? You know, you don't put your daily Bible readings on Instagram. You know, you don't take your picture of you with your Bible and your coffee every morning. How do you do it? Uh, you pray to God like God's real. And it's not a show. And then you live your life like God's real. And it's not a show. How do you do it? by largely making sure your life is hidden. Hiddenness. In a world where everybody's showboating all the time, it'll be one of the strangest fruits that people will see in your life. It's just the hiddenness. And God will reveal it. You have to trust that he will. Amen.